Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Michelle is a 32-year-old woman who comes in today to see you because of problems with sneezing, runny nose, and sometimes some eye irritation. She tells you that she has had problems with allergies on and off for a long time, but lately they've been bothering her all of the time. In taking her history, she tells you her job involves cleaning houses. She notes her symptoms are often worse when she's cleaning basements or garages that are dusty. She also recently got a pair of kittens and is not sure if things got worse after they arrived. She uses intranasal steroids in the past to help control her symptoms, but stopped them because she did not like having to take them every day. Hi, this is Frank Domino. Joining me today to discuss allergic rhinitis is Dr. Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and Executive Editor of Dynamed. Alan, good morning and don't sneeze. Good morning, Frank. So um, I think before we get too deep into Michelle's questions, let's, let's first discern uh, seasonal allergies versus uh, perennial allergic rhinitis. Can you help us remind us what those things mean? Sure, Frank. Seasonal allergies are typically due to aeroallergens that are released at particular times of the year. Typically in the spring, the trees and grasses are releasing pollen that causes the typical symptoms of sneezing, runny nose, and eye irritation. Outdoor molds can be a problem in the summer and the fall. In the fall, ragweed is the most common cause, although dust mites and molds are also a problem, especially when the heating systems are turned on for the first time. Perennial allergies are typically caused by things that are present all year round, such as dust mites, animal dander, and in some cases, occupational exposures. All right. I can't tell you how interesting it's been this past week because as spring hit New England, we've had a real uptick in at least uh, EHR messages telling me, oh, Dr. Domino, I have a runny nose, um, coughing. I think I need an antibiotic. And, and it does seem to be very much seasonal allergies as, as things begin to bloom. So perennial allergic rhinitis, it sounds like Michelle may have this problem now. How should we best treat her? Well, first of all, I want you to know, Frank, that I'm one of those New England allergy sufferers too although I don't think I need an antibiotic. In any event, the first line treatment for perennial allergies is avoidance if possible. If dust mites are a problem, then minimizing dust would be helpful. This can be done in part with dust mite proof coverings for beds and pillows, vigorous uh, vacuuming, or sometimes just pulling out carpets and going with hardwood floors. Likewise, for indoor mold problems, source control is the best approach, which generally means regulating the humidity, especially in basements. While people tend to be very attached to their pets, some breeds of animals are less likely to provoke allergies than others. So that's something to think about in advance. Once they have the pets, it's almost impossible to get them to part ways. As far as medications go, intranasal corticosteroids are the most effective treatment. Other options include intranasal antihistamines and oral antihistamines. Leukotriene receptor antagonists have been used 
but the FDA now has a black box warning about mood, cha mood changes associated with these medications and advises that they not be used for allergic rhinitis anymore. Um, in the past, uh, you've had to use intranasal steroids all the time as an effective treatment for allergic rhinitis symptoms. Is there any data about using them intermittently? Well, interestingly, a 2008 guideline from the Joint Council of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology stated that intermittent use was an option, but at that point, they basically said, however, it's less effective than continuous use. And so for that reason, I think it was discouraged. There was a recent randomized trial, 108 adults with perennial rhinitis, and uh, they were using fluticasone intranasal spray. So what they had them do was, first of all, stop using any kind of treatment for four months so they could get their symptoms nice and good. And then they had the spray used twice a day in each nostril for a week. After everybody had one week of treatment, then they randomized them to either continuous daily use or as needed use. They were then followed for an additional five weeks and outcomes were evaluated using a validated symptom score. Overall, after the end of the trial, only a few of the outcomes in the continuous group were better. And these were very slight improvements compared to intermittent use, with the difference being really of questionable clinical significance. Other than that, it really showed very little difference between intermittent and continuous use. All right. Well, that that's that helps inform care because patients don't like to have to do something all of the time. Um, let's say you know you're seeing Michelle. How do you decide between using intermittent nasal steroids versus an oral non-sedating antihistamine or a nasal antihistamine? How how do you make that choice? Well, all these treatments are effective. I normally advise the intranasal steroids. There are, there are always going to be patients who don't want to put something up their nose. Uh, you, you'll get that reaction that they just have some, uh, uh, well, it bothers them a lot. And so for them, of course, the oral antihistamines, the non-sedating ones would be the best choice. If they are willing to use an intranasal treatment, I start with intranasal steroids. Sometimes some people need both intranasal steroids and intranasal antihistamines. But what I typically try and do is to get the symptoms under control and then educate the patient about how they can self-manage and how they can taper. And typically, uh, if I'm starting with two puffs uh, in each nostril once a day and that is effective, then after a few weeks, you go to one puff in each nostril once a day. And even then I'll say you can try it every other day and see if that controls you. And at, by the goal here is to really empower the patient to self-manage the condition. There are a lot of uh, patients who get very hung up on what's the right way to take a medication. And if they think I'm, I'm, it's prescribed two puffs in each nostril once a day, then it's either that or nothing. And educating patients that this is something that is managing symptoms. There's not a lot of long-term mor morbidity associated with the uh, condition, not a lot of complications that will ensue. And so they should feel empowered to figure out what's the right regimen for them. I've always been one to say, look, if you're going to use these intranasal steroids, you have to use them every day, blah, blah, blah. And this is really quite informative. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm really grateful that you brought this, this concept forward and, um, uh, and, and I'll start changing my practice <laughs> probably tomorrow in the office. Alan, thank you so much. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. 
Always remember to address allergy avoidance in patients with perennial allergic rhinitis. If they're well controlled on a nasal steroid, encourage them to consider using it intermittently as long as their symptoms are well controlled. Join us next time when we talk about the latest data on continuous glucose monitoring for our type 1 and type 2 diabetic patients. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.